Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. On today's episode, I talked to Gestalt therapist Adela Rafa. I was honored to have her on my podcast. She has been life-changing for me, as you'll hear in our conversation. She has a unique approach built off the premise that our body is always present and has simple techniques to have more freedom when your emotions are getting the best of you. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we are here with Adela Rafa. I am completely honored and humbled and excited to have you here today. Hey, Adela. <laughs> hey, Allison. <laughs> so I'll tell you a story. Right? I, I figured I would start off with a personal story of, of why you're here and why I think the work that you do is incredibly important and incredibly groundbreaking is that a few months ago, I had been feeling really frustrated and it, you know, like a lot of other moms and a lot of other people, I find myself very overscheduled. And that is by my own doing. I put a lot of value on productivity and never really took any time to process anything. And I found myself getting more and more frustrated. But I didn't know I couldn't pinpoint what I was frustrated or angry about. But I felt it. And somebody suggested I go see Adela Rafa, a gestalt therapist. And I'm like, a gestalt what? A gish what? <laughs> and he told me that a gestalt therapist is more of an experiential therapy. So different from traditional talk therapy, you're actually recreating experiences that might be triggering for you and being able to take that, reframe it and kind of suspend it for a minute but reframe it and maybe position it in a different way and have a different way to attack it. And um, I thought, well, okay, fine, I'll try it. And so I remember sitting down with you and <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember saying how frustrated that I had been and felt anger and, you know, I have everything I want in life. Why am I so pissed off all the time? And you asked me, well, what do you think would make it feel better? And I said, I don't know, maybe to break stuff. And you're like, okay, great. Here's a bat. And you reached, a, you reached to the side of the couch and handed me a bat and said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want you to turn around and I want you to hit this couch that you're sitting on as hard as you can. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and you said, I know it sounds a little bit weird. It sounds different, but don't worry. You're going to get in the rhythm of it. And I started wailing on this couch and tears were coming out of my eyes. And, you know, it felt it felt really present in a lot of ways. And I, I'm getting chills now because <laughs> it really was a pivotal moment for me. But I realized that I, I, um, I don't think that I am not unlike a lot of other people. And I feel like I'm very, very wound up tight. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, it felt incredibly incredibly freeing, you know, mm -hmm. incredibly freeing. I felt like I had an avenue that I didn't have before that was just moving the energy out of my body that I've just been wound and wound and wound and wound so tightly before. I felt like the simplicity of a productive tool was the key for me that kind of unlocked or at least gave me access to other tools that I didn't have elsewhere and started to kind of allow me to, 
kind of release the clutches that my hand had on my schedule on everything, the control issues that I generally have over my life and my body. So for that, I felt like it was very groundbreaking because you don't have that kind of movement generally (laughs) in therapy. So Adela, I've talked a lot, but I thought it would be an incredible opening story um, because I think the groundbreaking part is the gestalt therapy. Sure. How can we introduce more of that? Tell me about it, how it came to you in the United States. Absolutely. Well, I discovered Gestalt therapy probably, well, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago um, in, an, in a workshop that I attended. And it, it was groundbreaking for me as well. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to learn everything about it. And so I, I dove really deep into learning more about it, what it was, and how it, it, how it just impacted me so enormously. And so I ended up, long story short, I ended up going back to school and learning and being trained in it because I felt it was so powerful and impactful in my life that I wanted to learn it so I could help other people have a similar experience. And I'm so glad you got to experience the bat in one of our (laughs) first times together um, because it's that type of uh, surprise element that I um, value so much in Gestalt because it pushes you outside of your comfort zone, outside of your pattern, outside your expectations of what's coming next, right? So when you came to me with, I'm frustrated, I can't imagine you thought, oh yeah, she's going to pull out the bat that she has, <laughs> right? And I'm very I excited to sure see you have asked. a bat here. <laughs> yes, I, I literally pulled out the bat for you in case you felt the, <laughs> the, you know, the, felt the spirit <laughs> come through you. But yes, please continue. And you know, I I thought it was interesting, because I've been in therapy here and there, Mm -hmm. throughout my life in different types of therapy. And and I remember my mother even had me in music and art therapy when I was like 16, when my parents were going through a divorce. So it's, it's been an interesting journey over the different types of therapy. And I've been to um, therapists recently that just, like it could not have felt worse walking out, a couple of them. So I wanted to learn more about your approach because I think it's important. And I think it's so simple. I think some of the tools are so simple for us to incorporate in our life. So please share. (laughs) Sure, the the tools are simple because I like them. They're not always easy. I, I say that because it does make make you work a little bit or do things differently, break your patterns. Um, but I like tools that are and techniques that are simple, impactful, and usable. I want you to be able to leave my office and have something that you can do at home, like right away. Um, it, um, gestalt therapy is short term. Um, I don't have clients for life. And I don't want to have clients for life because I want you to have the tools and techniques um, to become your own sort of inner therapist and have tools in your own toolbox that you can pull out when life is challenging, when you're experiencing frustration, when you're feeling stuck, when you're feeling anxiety come over you, or when you're having something that that you're experiencing and don't know how what to do next right so you can play with the tools that that I provide in sessions with my clients and the bat is one of those things when we feel anger (laughs) and especially women when we feel anger and frustration um, culturally we are told um, to to be happy or to simmer down or 
uh, you know, think about something that uh, all the things that we can be appreciative it's about like de-escalating the actual feeling. Sure. Yeah. And I and I, I also hear that anger is a secondary emotion. And um, I, I want to say uh, anger is anger. And it's okay that to be angry every once in a while because it's an energy. Anger is an energy. And it can be very helpful if we know how to channel it. So when we feel pent up frustration, pent up anger, and we don't do anything about it and it simmers, it's going to show up different ways. It can even become an illness. It can become frustrations. It become depression. It becomes so anxiety, so many other things when it's actually anger, energy that just needs to be moved. Um, and the bat is a great example of how to just release that energy. Uh, you didn't yell at anybody. You didn't uh, uh, hurt anybody. You were releasing energy into that sofa with that bat. And just the physical aspect of it helps the energy get moved. And that's all it wants. It wants to be released. It wants to be moved. And people always say that when you are upset, um, I've heard in parenting styles, that if your kids are upset or if you're upset, that it's really important to be vocal and say, I'm going to go for a walk instead of I'm going to lose my shit. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, or even, you know, teaching your children of, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go dance or I'm going to go jump up and down or something healthy. Or even helping your kids name the feelings that they're feeling. Because mm. a lot of times they don't know. And we don't teach them what we, what culturally we do a lot of times is to tell them how to feel or how not to feel, right? Like, don't be upset. Mm. Uh, why are you crying? I'll give you something to cry about is a, <laughs> a bad one. Um, but we've heard so many things instead of asking the child, how are you feeling? Where are you feeling that? Because a lot of times, if we can help them find the feeling in their body, I feel it in my tummy or I feel it in my chest, I feel it in my arms, then we can help them just show them that feelings are okay and they're going to go away after a little while. You know, you feel them now doesn't mean you're going to be angry or sad or whatever the feeling is for the rest of your life. It's a feeling, like honor it, respect it. What does that feeling want? How does it need to be expressed? Maybe it is with a walk. Maybe it's, I'm going to color dark colors on a piece of paper. I don't know. I want to dance. I want to move. I want to play drums. I want to do something to express that feeling. Sometimes it can be, I want to rest. I need, my body feels exhausted. I need to rest. So teaching our kids to identify the feelings that they're feeling and uh, perhaps also in the body, connecting the body to the feeling. That's so good. And I remember in one of the workshops where you've spoken, you talked about where um, where you feel stress mm-hmm. and that it actually has a meaning. Like, sure. Tell me about that because I carry stress in my shoulders. I'm always, I, I always feel it like there. And when I go to get a massage, they're like, girl, this is like massaging concrete. <laughs> so, yes. um, but ha- yeah. what does it mean where, where it is on the body? Well, the, the person that really did a great groundbreaking, she was a culture changer, was Louise Hay. And she has several books on healing your body. And she identifies different body parts with um, energy and where you feel it and meaning behind it. Um, but you can also listen to your own body right? Because your body is communicating with you constantly. Like, how do you know when you're hungry, for example? Your stomach growls to let you know, mm. uh, right? And it's a signal. 
feelings do the same thing. Emotions do the same thing. And it usually settles somewhere in our body. And shoulders is usually, uh, you know, a sign of I'm carrying a burden on my shoulder. The whole world is on my shoulders, right? And it can feel like a backpack. And a lot of times I've done a simple technique of just like, what would happen if you took off the backpack just for a moment, right? And then I have the, the client literally, like imaginatively take off the backpack, quote unquote, that they were carrying on their back, um, the burden, mm. um, and they feel relief. Um, so it's an, it's an energy that lands somewhere in the body that wants to be moved. And it's communicating to us something. And it's, if we can stay with it long enough, stay with the energy or even tense, like tense on your shoulder and see if it's moving elsewhere or if it stays put, if it moves elsewhere, where's it going? And I think in your case, it moved to the hands, right? If I remember correctly, your hands wanted to do something. You wanted to break something. You wanted to hit something, yeah. like, right? <laughs> that was your body telling you that something needs, I, I want to hit something. I want to yeah. break something. So if we can follow the energy and follow the signs and the language of our body, we can really get a lot of insight and intelligence and wisdom from our bodies. What does it mean when it's like in your belly or in your chest or you feel it in your head? Sure. I mean, you can even, if you know anything about chakras, they're all different energy centers. So the belly is, you know, has the chakra there also. But um, uh, emotionally, it means stuffed emotions, mm. like emotions that we swallow. You know, we eat certain things energetically. We eat it, we swallow it, um, and it festers in our gut. And uh uh, chest is the heart chakra, right? So that's the energy center, and that's usually related to family, to love, to relationships. And it also, um, our lungs are in that area. Mm. So when we feel anxious, a lot of times it's in our chest because we're not breathing. So the lungs live in our chest area. And when we feel anxious or scared, the first thing we do is we stop breathing. So then the energy sits there. It's, it's basically our body telling us, breathe, you're about to die, right? <laughs> like we're, we're, we're not let, allowing life to come in. We're stopping life and we stop breathing. So th that's chest. Mm. And then the head. That's profound. We're not um, allowing life to come in. Wow, that's kind of major. So my husband, he'll probably kill me for <laughs> saying this, but he gets like major panic attacks mm. on uh, the thought of flying. Okay. And we literally are booking a trip to New York and he was not okay with it. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to take Danny and we're going to go on a train. You guys can fly. Oh, wow. You know? Okay. And, but, it, but it, it really mm -hmm. takes over his body. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people suffer from anxiety from different triggers or yes. whatever it is. Um, and I, I wonder what that all means. Um, what well, fear, anxiety, panic is usually sensations or um, imagine, imagine things that might happen in the mm. future. If we're not present in the moment and here and now, um, our mind gets uh, carried away sometimes. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what is going on for your husband, but he may have had an experience where he felt out of control. Right? out of control and that triggered something, uh, a panic attack, anxiety attack. And so when he is in situations where he lacks control now, 
as an adult even, uh, he might feel that same familiar anxiety or panic coming back because he's not flying the plane, right? Mm. So he doesn't have control over the outcome. Uh, so a lot of times that's what happens. We go in the future. I feel lack of control. I don't know what's going to happen. Fear of the unknown that triggers that memory in our body that has to do with the flight and the flight, fight, flight, or freeze, mm -hmm. right? So I don't know his root cause for it, but it's it's something possibly. He doesn't really know. I think it's mm -hmm. it's weird. I think he gets very frustrated. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not a therapy session for my <laughs> husband. It could be. You Give know? me my number. Yes, yes. But um, it it he loves you by the way. <laughs> You've changed a lot of things in our household, but he he doesn't know where it comes from, and it it came on as as an adult thing and sometimes mm -hmm. it's really really bad and sometimes it's okay but mm -hmm. it's a lot for him you know and I imagine you, he's not alone he's not alone and when you don't know where something comes from a lot of times it's because we're thinking it through we're analyzing it we're using our brain mm. But it could be on a, on, a, on a cellular level. It could be an emotional place. So your mind is not going to find it. You have to experience it. And that's another reason why Gestalt therapy is so effective. Because what the mind doesn't know, the body does. The body is always in the present moment. That is so powerful to me. The body is always present. The no body, matter what you tell yeah. it. Right. That is insane. <laughs> yes. Our minds are usually in the future with fear, uh, uncertainty, or in the past um, with regret, shame, uh, guilt. Um, but the, the, if we can be with the body here and now in the present, most of the time you'll see all is well. Even when it's a stressful situation, if you can be here and now, you can deal with whatever is in front of you, more grounded, more present more clear-headed even it's so freaking hard though it is so hard how do we, how do we make that easier well i'm glad you asked <laughs> um the first step is to take a breath the fastest way to get into your body is to take a breath remember what i said earlier about you're not allowing life in mm. so allowing life to enter us by taking a few deep breaths it really calms the nervous system. And it, you know if you can breathe, you're alive. Mm. And, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And then you can deal with everything else. But being here now, the fastest way is to take a breath. And the second step is to get into your senses. Like get out of your mind, come to your senses. And see what you see, feel what you feel, hear what you hear. Do you feel like... Um you know who Brene Brown is. Yes. Right? So yes. she's big. She does a lot of uh, important, incredible, really landscape-changing, culture-changing work on vulnerability. Yes. And it seems like it connects or there's a resonation of your body is always present and being present and feeling your feelings and letting it be okay and normalizing the bad feelings. I think that we as Americans... I'm saying Americans because that's where we live. Yes. Um, but I know that you are, wait, let me think if I remember. So you're of Croatian descent and grew up in Sweden. Correct. And yes. then moved here when you were like 19. Yes. And you never felt like you were at home because you were Croatian born. And so, but, but um, I, I don't mean to get off on a tangent as <laughs> I can do sometimes, but 
Um, I do think it's an interesting background of having that experiential therapy, whereas Americans, I feel like we put a very high value on productivity. We put a high value on good feelings, but we stuff down Mm -hmm. anger. We stuff down real feelings, you know, of frustration, of jealousy, of envy, you know, of anger, of sadness, and just drink it down, take a pill, you know, forget it, move Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Even when people are dealing with real grief, move on, it doesn't matter, get over it. And I think there is a a real danger in not acknowledging the bad and allowing it to kind of have as much value as the good so that the good gets better. I, I Is agree. any of this yes. making sense? Yes, I know. I hear what you're <laughs> saying. I lose all the audience <laughs> at this point? No, I don't think so. I, I do believe that we are trained to be positive all the time but the point we're missing is like without the negativity we don't even know to appreciate the positive like day and night black or white you know there is like these polarities that we live in constantly but we only want to look at the good the light the the pretty um i mean even aging we can go there for example to show that right we just want to have young and pretty and um and not appreciate that Aging happens, mm. right? And it's going to, we are going to get old one day. Uh, and that's part of life. So if we, if we can choose it all and not just some, we will live a more whole, W-H-O-L-E, life, right? Where we accept all of life, not just bits and pieces and parts of it. And it's the same with emotions. Like we... We're so happy when our kids and our partners or coworkers or whatnot are happy and in a good mood. Um, And then we don't want to appreciate that sometimes they're going to be in a bad mood as well. And we feel uncomfortable with it. So we project onto them. Like, I don't know. I don't want that experience because I don't know what to do. Part of it could be ignorance. We just don't know. We haven't been taught. We haven't been told how to deal with feelings and emotions. We don't know. And so I think that's, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to help people just recognize that feelings are feelings and it's, they're okay to feel um, good ones and bad ones. Mm. And I actually appreciate what we, what, we, what we label as bad ones, the darker ones, because that really is in those darker places that we have the most personal growth. I'm sure most people can look back at their lives and recognize, oh, that was such a hard time in my life, but look what I learned. Look how I grew from that. Look at the, um, at the gifts that came out of that loss or that separation or, or that grief or whatever that was. Um, those are the times that we learn so much if we want to stay awake, awake and aware, of course. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. And I want to pivot for a second sure. because this, this story, before I found you or before I was recommended to go to you, and I, I think I mentioned that I went to a couple of different therapists mm-hmm. and I found somebody that was nearby that was, I, I was like, you know what, I, I really need to talk to somebody. And this was a, you know, licensed psychologist. He does not have the ability to prescribe medication. Mm-hmm. And literally within the first five minutes, we're talking and he asked, you know, how do you feel about prescription medication? And I'm like, well, I kind of want to avoid it, you know, and he spent the next 10 minutes talking to me about 
you know, well, beta blockers might be an option or what, like we did not even talk. And I'm like, God, am I, am I, I, maybe I'm worse than I thought. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember I went to him a couple of times and he kept bringing it up. And I felt like, you know, do I just relent? Maybe I am depressed. Maybe I am. I, I didn't feel depressed. I felt like I didn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I felt like I didn't have the tools or didn't have an outlet to express my feelings or to express whatever it was and and kind of have tools to move on. And I, I really got frustrated with that. And I think, you know, you and I had a conversation about the labels of certainly um, there there is value to prescription drugs in many, many cases. But in many cases, I wonder if it is necessary. It, is it just handing out a prescription? And this person was not even qualified, you know, mm-hmm. and he would even say, I don't have any ability to write a prescription. But it really got in my head of just maybe there is something really, really, really wrong here that I'm not, I'm really at a loss. I'm at a loss for words now, Um, but it really was profound for me. So so what I hear you say is there's a danger in labeling people. Um, I agree with that. I I don't label people. Um, I don't want to hear... anybody tell me I'm depressed or anybody tell me I have anger issues or telling me anything uh, because there's a chance that I might believe them. Right? Tell me more. Uh, labeling somebody is, uh, people do it. We're a society where we like to call people certain things. It, it just, we do. Media does it. Friends do it. Um, it's a way for us to describe something, mm. right? So, but there is um, power of words that we forget. Um, you know, we can all probably remember a situation in childhood when somebody called us a name that really hurt our feelings and people can still suffer as an adult from that name calling, right? I think today they might call it bullying, um, yes. but name calling, right? And that affected us. Oh, and it made an impact. Well, it's the same thing when we go to a professional for help and they tell us that we need we need this or we need that. And if we don't check in with ourselves like you did to see how does that resonate with me? Is this true? Um, and, and just blindly believe what people say. Um, and I find that that can be a danger. Like if somebody tells you you're depressed and you, you're not sure because you are feeling off balance, and that might be the answer, we don't know. But if you don't investigate that further, you might start to believe, yes, I am depressed and start taking antidepressants. And if that is not what you're needing, you're missing out of discovering what it is that your body is actually telling you that you need. Like, I don't know in your case at that time, but that frustration that you, that you spoke about earlier was pent up. It was um, from, it sounds like from had a long time festering and growing, sure, yeah, right? Yeah. So would antidepressants help you? Possibly, I don't know. Uh, but I'm glad you didn't just blindly believe that that was the case. So how do we know if if we are in a position where we are looking for some assistance somewhere? Sure. Where is the line where we say, you know what, this really will help. And maybe this isn't for me because it's a really 
tough balance. And I know you're not, you know, <laughs> licensed to prescribe, you know, I'm not those yes. things too. Um, but I'm, if I'm going to be checking in with my body, because maybe I did need antidepressants, I don't know. I ended up not taking that, that path and mm-hmm. that avenue. Yeah. But maybe I could have been in a better spot. I don't know. But how do we check in with our body? And maybe uh, how do we know what is the right diagnosis from a professional? Well, um, if it doesn't feel right when you're in front of a person and, and feel right versus I'm rebelling against, I don't want to hear them. That's a really tough place to be, you know? It is. And it requires that How you, do you know discern? yourself. You discern. Yes, you know yeah. yourself. You have to become aware. And maybe you go back a few times or maybe you um, ask a second opinion. I mean, there's nothing wrong with like, asking for a second opinion. Mm-hmm. We do it on a lot of other things, right? We, when we buy a car, for example, we look at more than one car. Yeah. Um, when we buy a house, we look at options. And why don't we do the same for ourselves? We just blindly believe a person. Um, so um, if it doesn't feel right in the entire body, your way of not feeling right is unique to you. So there is not a formula that I can give that works for everybody. Um, but it is trusting yourself to know, like, I need another appointment or I need to go see another person. I need a second opinion. Um, and check how you feel in front of a person that you're talking to. If you're really helping professional, whether that's a, a therapist, psychologist, a healer, massage therapist, acupuncturist, anybody, take a moment to assess how am I feeling in front of this person? Who am I being in front of this person? Mm. How old do I feel in this moment? Because if I'm Ooh, a little... That's a fascinating one. Because <laughs> if I'm a little child in front of this person, if I feel like I'm a five-year-old, seven-year-old, 10-year-old, um, then I might give this person in front of me some sort of authority. Uh, authority, um, And maybe it's good to make a decision from the age that you are, the adult that you are right now. So knowing where am I making decisions from? Who is in, I call it the driver's seat. Is it my adult self? Is it my teenager? And you can kind of tell when it's a teenager because there might be a little sass on board, a little attitude perhaps, <laughs> a rebellion, right? Or however your teenager acted. Like mine was rebellious. So I know when I feel rebellious against authority, it's my teenager. And when I'm the child, I'm usually more quiet. I'm taking my time. I'm discerning more. Um, and when I'm the adult, uh, I don't second guess. So that's how I discern, but there is, you know, and that's a skill too, that needs to be, uh, practiced and established. Yeah. That, I, I think that's so amazing. It sounds so freaking simple. <laughs> and I think part of, um, what I think is so fascinating about your work is that you do this work in corporations as well. So yes. it's not just one-on-one because I know you have group workshops. I do group. <clears throat> and but you I, do a lot yeah. of work with corporate entities as well. I'd love I to learn more about that. I love it. I tell love, me, tell me. I love when, um, business <clears throat> leaders come and want to raise the awareness in their organization. I get very excited about that because it is so when about you say awareness. What does that mean? Raised con- consciousness, um, becoming aware of yourself and understanding yourself so that you can understand others, understanding how you operate so that you can gather and understand how other people operate. Right. So there is a, f- a transaction that is, um, conscious that is aware 
Because most of us, let's face it, we are pretty unconscious. And that's how we operate in the world. We just, it, it, we're in a pattern. We just do what we do. We get to work without thinking about it. We get home and we do the same repetitive things over and over again. And which is fine. You can do that. It's okay. But what if you increased your awareness when you're doing it and bring in a little bit of mindfulness to it and so that you can be present to your life? Like if you're breathing when you're cooking dinner and when you're thinking good thoughts when you're packing lunch for your children, right? That's the energy you're sending. So um, when I work with organizations, it's about raising the awareness, raising consciousness, becoming more mindful and present to ourselves to each other in the office and also to our customers and our clients. And that makes a big difference. Mm. It makes a big difference. How did you break into these corporations? Because I imagine that somebody who's not normally practiced in this may think it's a little woo-woo <laughs> and a little touchy-feely. You know, how do you break into a market like this? Because I think it's a powerful, powerful tool mm -hmm. that I don't know that it would have been as well-received 10 years ago as it is today, but how do you do that? Well, I do have corporate background, so I speak corporate. <laughs> <laughs> and I sneak in. It's not really woo-woo. It's, it's actually more, I call it awareness, because that's the best word I know for it, awareness. And who doesn't want to raise their own awareness? Um, I could tell you a lot of people don't want to wear. Well, those are the people. Those are the people that that don't come see me, and I'm okay right, with that. Right. The people that seek me out uh, to answer your question. Um, my business is really a hundred percent referrals. Um, I, I'm not very active on social media. Um, I'm not. I don't advertise, um, and the clients that I have and work with are basically referrals from, from clients and, uh, you know, some of my, uh, business organizations that I work with are either, um, you know, they're all, they're all referrals to people that I know personally or people that I have crossed paths with. Um, and I talk about what I do and they get interested and they want to bring that for themselves and their, 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 their team. I think it's amazing work. I think, um, I think being in that spot is really where you change cultures. You change cultures not only in the workplace or for these specific companies and the clients that they touch. But I love the thought of, of scaling that to a place where mm -hmm. it really, really moves people because it is part of the lexicon now to yes. be more present, to be more mindful, yes. to be more aware. Like I even think it's important, the Enneagram training. And it's kind of like the f five love languages, but yes. doing it at work, yes. you know, um, of, of being able to understand how people operate, that it's not that they don't like you. It's just that they're not structured that way. Um, yes. And it, I think it's such a powerful tool. And so for that, I think, I think you are amazing. And I oh, think you're you. groundbreaking <laughs> for that too. So thank how you. can people get in touch with you? Sure. Um, there is several ways. I have a website. It's adelarafa.com. Let's spell it. A-D-E-L-A-R-A-F-F-A.com. <laughs> and I have to, I always have to emphasize on the F-F -F as in Frank Frank, not Sam Sam. Okay. Instagram, Adelarafa. Facebook, phone call. They can call me, call me, email me. Uh, the fastest and easiest way is probably to um, look me up on, on my website or Google me. You can Google me.
do you do virtual sessions as well? Yes, because it is I do. very challenging. There, there are not a ton of Gestalt therapists out there. You know, I think there are only a handful that mm-hmm. I know of. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have listeners that are not necessarily in Atlanta. What are some good ways for them to find if they want to explore or get to, you know, learn a little bit more about Gestalt therapy? Sure. Yeah. No, I have clients uh, outside of this country also, and we do Skype sessions or Facebook sessions, Facebook, uh, FaceTime, <laughs> FaceTime <laughs> sessions. I mean, I guess I could do it in Facebook too. Um, so that works as well. The uh, There is, it's almost as effective, you know, I don't, there's some things that I don't do online or uh, virtually that I do in person. Um, but we work around it because we can see each other. And part of part of my work is um, working with people is I look at their body language a lot. Um, but we work around it when I do um, virtual work. So yeah, I have I have clients in other countries too. So it's hasn't been a problem so far. That is so cool. Yeah, Adela Rafa, <laughs> you are a culture changer. Thank, thank you. you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks thank for you, having thank me. Thank you. Yay. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Adela. If you want to get in touch with her, please visit AdelaRafa.com or the links in the show notes. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love to hear from you. Please subscribe, rate, review, and if you care, please share. As always, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.